It'll be good for your character. Ever had anyone tell you that? It usually happens before you have to do something that you don't want to do. All right, this is what my dad always told me so many times. Oh, it'll be good for your character. Right, it's before, I don't want to go to this thing or sit through this service. Oh, it's good for your character. I don't want to go to this job that I hate. Oh, it'll build your character. And now, even as an adult, when I complain, even internally about something I don't want to do, I hear my father's voice. Oh, it'll build character. Sometimes it's literally his voice because he's right there. But <laughs> it'll build your character. I have enough stupid character, obviously. Right? You ever had someone say something like that to you before? You had to do something that you knew was, it was good or necessary or important, but it didn't mean that you didn't want to do it any less. It's just, ah, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this. We, we have this kind of cultural expression where work is bad and we don't want to fulfill our obligations. Right? People, we still, universally, people are like, oh, it's Monday, back to work. And, and kids are, are now kind of amping up. It's the last week, and they're all going, oh, I don't want to go back to school. And, and people count down the days to, to Friday, right? It's, it's like we're all working for the weekend, right? Isn't that how the song goes? So it's like you've got to survive these five days so that you can enjoy these two, right? It's like, oh, two out of seven ain't bad. That's, that's what people live for. That's what life is boiled down. And, and, but here's the thing. Even when you get home from work, work doesn't end. There's always work to be done at home. There's chores and there's dishes and you got to go shovel the driveway or rake the leaves or all those awful things coming up that we're going to have to do and we're going to complain about it every step of the way. It's work, right? And, and some people have decided to take on, they, they've given a word to doing all these normal mundane tasks, my generation and younger. They call it adulting. Have you heard anyone use the phrase adulting? Right? Like, oh, I took the garbage out, changed some light bulbs. Adulting is hard. I was like, can we just agree right now to never use that word again? And all those in favor say aye. Right? Motion carried. Good talk. See, what's happened is that we've been brought up to think that all work is bad. If something isn't fun or relaxing or easy, we're not interested. If something is strenuous and difficult and challenging, then we'll do our best to avoid it. We don't want to do work, and, and we've made hard work a hardship, and hard work is not a hardship. Right? Hardships are, are painful and, and, you know, strenuous and dangerous and miserable. Hard work doesn't have to be those things. Sometimes hard work is good. Sometimes hard work actually builds character. And so I want to challenge us today, church, that there is work to be done that is good work. There is kingdom work that needs to get done. And kingdom work is not always fun or easy or relaxing. Kingdom work can be very difficult and challenging, but it is good work. It is good, necessary, vital, important work that we all get to participate in, that we all have a role to play in. It's work that when you're done it, you're not going to feel crushed and, 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 and miserable and, exa and exhausted, but it's work that when you're done it, you can feel kind of gloriously, joyfully spent, and there is absolutely a difference. I want to talk about work today, kingdom work, hard work, 
We've been in this life hack series talking about practical things that you can be incorporating into your life to kind of make your walk with Jesus um, more effective and more tangible and better. And one of those things is service in the kingdom. I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about our work for the kingdom. Because the word work is overused, it's mistreated, it's lost its meaning. You know how when you say a word enough times it loses its meaning? It just sounds funny. Right? Maybe you even heard that song, work, 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 and this just like trails off into nonsense. Anyone? Four people? You know where I'm at. I want to talk about kingdom work today, and if you're here and you're a follower of Christ, it's work that we are called to do. All of us. It's not bad work. It's not drudgery. It's not pointless, and it's not mundane, but it's good hard work. So we're going to head to the Bible. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians, and a little context on this one. Paul wrote these letters to the Corinthians, and that was kind of his job. He, he made it his life's work to travel around, and if he couldn't travel to a place, then he would write letters to them from Greece to Rome, all along the Mediterranean, down into the Middle East. Like, this is what he did, and, and so he would get people fired up ab- about the gospel and then and tell them the practical ways they should be living in the kingdom. He basically did a life hack series for all of those areas and and told people, this is how you live for Christ. And sometimes he would have to follow up with these churches because they would completely miss the point. Or they would start well and and then just kind of start failing miserably. The Corinthians, the church at Corinth was one of those places where he just gets really angry with them. They're, They're the worst and he gets upset, and, and he has to, it, it gets really heated. If you read First and Second Corinthians, it gets heated, and if you were there in person when he was talking to them, you'd feel really awkward. You'd want to like back out and be like, Paul, maybe tone it down just a little bit. And it's with this tone that he writes our passage today, because this is a church that had, that had it, they got the message, they were off on the right foot, and then they just, they just don't anymore. They lose focus, they lose heart, they go off track, they listen to all sorts of other preachers and all sorts of other religions, and they're just missing the point. And so Paul writes this letter and he says, guys, let's keep at this. Don't take your foot off the pedal. This is important work. And so he writes this in chapter 5, verse 11, and this is our passage today. He says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. And if it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So there's a few phrases in this passage that I want to kind of highlight and talk about today. And the first one is in verse 11 where he says, because we understand our fearful responsibility, we work hard. We work hard. When it comes to our faith, when it comes to our calling, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the church, he says, we work hard. We're going after it. This is important stuff. But he says, it's because it's a fearful responsibility. Right? It's it's huge work. And that's not in the sense that you're literally terrified to do it, but it's the sense that you understand 
the weight and the gravity and the importance of this work. And so you take it seriously. You want to make sure that you do it right and you do it well. There are some jobs that you have to do right the first time. There are some jobs that you don't get to have an undo button. There are some jobs when you just can't get a shift manager to come in tomorrow morning and clear your mistakes. Right? I always think of how stressful and painstaking it must be to be a surgeon. Right? Like if you're doing heart surgery on someone, right? Like you, you're not just fiddling around in there, <clears throat> hopefully. Right? Like if, if you're the patient, the last thing you want to hear a doctor say is, oh, shoot. Oh, do it again, right? Like, sorry, sorry, let's, let's try and redo. Oh, we can't. Okay, next time, next time we'll get it right. Right, like, you know, you got to do it right. It's a fearful responsibility. You do it right the first time. Or like those guys who have to defuse bombs, whether in the, the military or anti-terrorist units when there's a bomb threat and they go in and they have to look at the package and figure out, like, is it or isn't it? What do we do with it? Like, it's not in the movies, it's this, this comically large digital screen counting down. It's just like, oh, just cut a wire. In real life, it's a bomb, right? No one's sitting around that thing going, it's almost lunchtime, just cut a wire. Like, it, it's a fearful responsibility. You want to be sure that you do it well and you do it right. You might not get a second chance. No one wants to be the patient for a lazy surgeon, And so Paul in the early church, he's saying, look, this is our job. It's our responsibility to go out there and tell people about Jesus. Like, we're the first generation of Christians. If we fail at this, what happens? If we drop the ball on this one, what's the future of the church look like? It was a fearful responsibility. And and they were there. Like, when Jesus showed up that day and said, all right, I'm out of here, so you guys go make disciples. Go to the ends of the earth and start baptizing some people I'm giving you some help, check you later. Can you imagine being in that crowd? Can you imagine being one of the ones Jesus looked at and and said, like, all right, this is on you now? You'd be feeling like, okay, hold on, do you know what you're doing? Do you know me? Like, this is life and death. This is, you know, this supernatural battle between good good and evil, and all of humanity's eternity is lying in the balance, and you're leaving it up to me. Right? I, I'm not sure you know what you're doing here, Jesus. It's kind of a big thing. It's like when Bilbo Baggins gets visited by Gandalf the first time in The Hobbit. You with me? Gandalf knocks at the door, and, and Bilbo's response is, sorry, I don't want any adventures today. Not today, thanks. I, you know, come for tea anytime. Because right? that's what a hobbit wants to do. I just want to sit in front of a fire and have tea. I don't want adventures. He gets forced to go on an adventure. And see, that's the thing. We actually were in that crowd with Jesus when he said, go make disciples. That's for us. That is our job. That is our responsibility. We are the ones who carry the weight of the church, and we are the ones who still have to go out into all the world and tell people about Jesus. We don't get to say, sorry, no adventures today. Not interested. My life is just about sitting in front of a fire and taking it easy. No, we have been called to go on an adventure, and so we work hard. And that was Paul's message to the Corinthians who had lost, the, they'd lost it. They were messing it up. They, they didn't care enough. They, they had signed up for a vacation, but not necessarily an adventure. And so what does that mean for us today? It means that we still have to work hard for the kingdom, that we don't get to let our foot off of the gas, 
We're, we're all part of the, the great commission to go tell people about Jesus, go make disciples, go serve in the, in the kingdom. You, you were gifted and created to take part in that. Look, no one, no one gets to just take workers' comp in the kingdom. No one's just picking up unemployment insurance in the kingdom. No one gets to take a sabbatical in the kingdom. We're all called to it. We're all supposed to be out there doing it and living it and, and being a part. And I know there's always the excuse, well, I'm not, I'm not equipped enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not prepared enough. It's a big, it's a fearful responsibility. I don't know what I'm doing in here. And, and the, the beauty of the gospel is that that's exactly who Jesus picked. People who didn't think that they were good enough or smart enough. People who didn't think that they made the cut. In fact, that was what people noticed in the book of Acts when all the apostles go out for the first time and, and they're preaching, they're doing miracles and, and they kind of created a stir and so they get thrown into like a city council meeting. People don't know what to do with them. They're like, just go, go see city council. You're making a scene. And here's what it says in Acts 4 verse 13. Said so the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That isn't that great? They're just ordinary guys. The difference maker is that they had been with Jesus. And see, the same thing goes for us today. You don't have to be kind of this hyper-gifted, super-spiritual, I'm ready to go out there. It's just ordinary people. The key is that, have you been with Jesus? Because if you've been with Jesus, then you've got what it takes. If you've been with Jesus, if you've been praying and reading his word and listening to him and living in obedience, then you've got what it takes. So if you've got the call, which you do, and you've got what it takes, which you do, and you've got a fearful responsibility, which you do, then shouldn't we work hard? It's the first thing Paul says. We work hard for the kingdom. The second phrase that sticks out is in verse 13 where he says, if it seems we're crazy... It's to bring glory to God. We are crazy, Paul says. Right? And sometimes, let's be honest, that's how it feels to be a Christian, doesn't it? It seems a little bit crazy. Like Paul lived his whole life to travel when it was not safe, when it was not cheap, and when it was not easy. He made that his life's work. He gave up money. He gave up marriage. He gave up security to give it all to Jesus. And I'm not saying that's what we're, he's asking all of you to do. But it looked crazy. Paul had his critics for sure. I'm sure he had people who were like, is this really what you want to be doing? I'm sure even his mom was like, when are you going to settle down and have some grandchildren for me? And Paul's like, no, no, this is not what I'm called. I don't know where she's from that she has that accent. But, <laughs> but even all the disciples walked away from a normal life. They walked away from security. They were tax collectors. They were making good money. Or they were fishermen who were super uneducated and didn't have anything to fall back on. And one day Jesus just says, drop your nets. And why don't you come be fishers of men with me? Right? When, if you've been in church, you've heard that phrase a million times and you're like, yeah, fishers of men, I know the song, it's great. If that's the first time you've ever heard that phrase, that's crazy talk. Why don't you quit your job, just leave your stuff right there, and come fish for men? Like, are you out of your mind? What does that even mean? What are you asking me to do? What kind of commitment is this? It's crazy talk. But sometimes that's what the gospel makes people do. Act a little crazy. In fact, that's the story of most of our staff team. Pastor Dave was a teacher in the public school system. Gave it up. 
to be a pastor. Natalie has multiple degrees. She was into education, and she's working part-time in kids' ministry. Jamie was selling ball bearings a few years ago. He was <laughs> ball bearings. Pastor John should live in Nashville. He should probably be a studio musician somewhere. Every one of them are working in Fredericton for the kingdom of God because the gospel makes you do crazy things. It's crazy. Why, why would you do that? I'm sure they've had their critics. I'm sure they've had people say, don't you want a little bit more security? Don't you want to make a little bit more money? So we're just ordinary people who have been with Jesus. So the world has a different idea as to what normal looks like. The world has a different idea as to what they're pursuing and what's important and what they prioritize. And, and I'll, you know, we need to be reminded of this sometimes, that if you're in the church, your, your life's goal is not the American dream. It is not just to get a good job, complain about working for 40 years, and then hopefully retiring. That's not the goal. That's, that's not what it's all about. Our goal is different, and so our lives should be different, so our priorities should be different. We should be fired up about the gospel and doing kingdom work and, and about playing our part. And here's the thing. People will do crazy things for work, or people will do crazy things for fun, but they'll never, ever consider doing something crazy for the church, right? It, it, people will be like, oh, man, I would, I would come to church on Sunday mornings, but 9.15 is early, I just, I don't think I can do it. And the whole rest of that week, they're up at six for hockey. Right? Or you have people say, like, oh, man, I, I just don't have time. I am swamped. You know how busy I am? I can't, I can't have another commitment like church. And then, like, their Facebook post the next day is, binge-watched all 36 episodes of Friends this week. It's like, oh, whoo, kudos on carving out those 15 hours that you didn't have to do something less trivial Right? I'd, I'd love to give to the church, but it is tight right now. We're, we're just, yes, because you have four cars, a cottage, and a boat. Right? Like, listen, I'm not trying to step, I am, I'm deliberately stepping on toes, but you will do crazy things and make sacrifices for all kinds of other stuff, but when it comes to the church, we're far too likely to say, oh, I just can't, I won't. If you want to do something, you will find a way, and if you don't want to do something, you will find an excuse. Isn't that true? If you want to do it, you will, and if you don't, you won't. You'll, you'll just find a way. The gospel dares you to be crazy for the kingdom. It dares you to look at your life differently, to prioritize your time and your money and your gifts and what you value differently. What are you chasing? What are you building? What's your end game? Paul says, I know we look crazy. That's what it looks like when you're all in for the kingdom. It looks different from the world. We're supposed to look different from the world. We're countercultural. We're swimming against the stream. So Paul says, it looks crazy. It should. Does your life look a little crazy? So Paul says, we work hard. We're a little bit crazy. And in verse 14, another phrase that he uses, and he says, either way, Christ's love controls us. He says, no matter where you land on this, the whole point is that we are driven by love. That's why we do this. That, that is our motivation. That, that is what gets us out of bed, is that we love the church, and we love Jesus, and we love people, and so we're going to give our lives to it. We're driven by love. Like, if you don't love people, you're certainly not going to care about their soul. Right? He says, what gets you out of bed? He says, I'm driven by love. 
And Paul tells the church, like, I'm not here for any other reason than that. I don't have ulterior motives. We're, we're not just a check mark on a to-do list, that you guys aren't that. We're, you're not just a hoop we're jumping through so we feel better about ourselves. It's not that. We're actually here preaching and teaching because we love you and we want to experience, we want you to experience the transformational power of the gospel. He says, that's why we do what we do. We're driven by love, and for, for us in the church, that's what it means for us, is that kingdom work is not work that you should do begrudgingly. It's not work that is considered drudgery. It's not just like, oh, I've got to do this. Like, we, we don't do good, hard kingdom work because God is a slave driver who's going to get angry at us if we don't fulfill our biblical obligations. No, we do it because we love people, and we care about them. We do it because we love Jesus we want to obey him. And I understand, like, some of you have jobs that you hate. I'm not even just talking about occupations today, right? We, we equate work with occupations. I'm not even just talking about that, just with your work in general. That's what makes our work different. That's for something. It's for a purpose. There's no greater joy than to do kingdom work that sees someone life changed forever. You can have good work that you love, and it's good and valuable, and that's great, and I hope you love your job, and you can have a job that stinks, and you hate it, and I hope you don't have that one. But this is about a different work altogether. There's a huge difference in the phrases, I have to do this, and I get to do this, correct? All right, I have to do this, and I get to do this. And you can always tell when someone has to do something. It is so evident on their face, like they, they turn into a minimizer. Do you know who a minimizer is? It's someone who will boil down their task to the most absolute minimum possible work, right? Kids are so good at this. They're like, hey, kids, pick up your clothes, like one sock. And they'll put it in the laundry. Yep, cleaned up my clothes. Eat your vegetables, and one pea goes on one prong of the fork. Did you eat your peas? Yep. Right? Say sorry to your sisters. Sorry. Right? Sorry turns into a one-syllable, three-letter word. S-R-Y. Sorry. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do as little as I can to fulfill my obligation. It's going to be the bare minimum. I am just going to scratch the surface with what I really should be doing. And, you know, some people don't grow out of that. They just get really good at it. I've known adults who are great minimizers. They're always the ones asking, so how early do I have to be there? Do I have to stay long? When can I leave? Or best of all, like, just, do I have to? Like, and, and if you're a boss or you're an employer, like those are red flags. You do not hire that person because you know that you're going to get a minimizer. Right? And when it comes to kingdom work, that's not how we do it. We don't have to do kingdom work. We get to do kingdom work. It is a privilege and an honor to partner with the God of the universe and to go out into all of the world and do what it is he's asked us to do. We get to participate in life change. Isn't that unbelievable? I'm, so, I'm sorry I asked. Right, like if you volunteer at church, if you're a leader in some capacity, like if you're helping in kids' ministry, I hope you don't ask Natalie, like, do I have to do it this week? Is it okay if I'm late all the time? I, can I switch my shift, this one and the next, and all of them? 
for never, right? Like, it happens. I hope you're not a minimizer when it comes to kingdom work. I guess I have to. I, I guess I can go to that. How little do I have to do? How can I scratch the surface of, of making sure I'm fulfilling my obligations for the Jesus? No, like this is work that matters. We get to do it. It is a fun, incredible privilege. And that's why when, when we're trying to get people plugged into ministries at the church, listen, we will never beg. We will be understaffed before we ever beg. Because what happens when you beg is that you will only get minimizers. And minimizers will end up being more of a detriment to the ministry than an asset. And I know that sounds mean, maybe. And maybe it's supposed to. We don't want to beg. You get to do this. This is a privilege. This is an honor, right? Like, people shouldn't be asking about kingdom work. Like, oh, do I have to do this? No, you don't, except you do in the part where the Bible says you do right? Where the Bible says you were gifted to work for Jesus, that you were equipped and shaped and formed to play a part in the kingdom, that he needs you to be that part of the body so that all of the body is working well and functions well so that we can do all of the things that are required to do in the church. It's your expectation that you will do it and you'll do it with joy because it's an honor. That's why you're here. It's not about your occupation, it's not about some future goal financially. It's not about making a name for yourself. You are here because you have been gifted and entrusted by God to go do work for the kingdom. In fact, this is what the Bible calls worship. Romans 12.1 says, when you offer your body as a living sacrifice, in other words, when you offer yourself and your time and your gifts and your motivations, that is your spiritual act of worship. And, and then the Bible also says, so you should worship the Lord with gladness. Not madness, not badness, gladness, excitedly, joyfully, right? Your, your work for the kingdom shouldn't be considered, I'm just clocking it in, can't wait to get this over with. No, it's fun, it's the best, right? And enthusiasm is contagious, isn't it? Like when you're in a room full of people, all participating, like that's why when you go to a movie, and it's funny, everyone is laughing out loud, but when you watch it at home alone, you don't laugh out loud because enthusiasm is contagious. When you're with a group of people who are doing it and excited and yeah, then everyone around you is like, oh, I want to be a part of this. This is awesome, right? It, we should be enthusiastic on, on church mornings when we get to do this. We get to volunteer. My favorite thing to hear from people when they come to Crosspoint for the first time or I'll get a letter from someone or someone will call me and, and my favorite thing to hear is, man, your people were so excited. Man, your volunteers, they were into it. Everyone seemed really happy. Man, how, do you, how did you do that? Like, how do you get people excited? That is the best compliment a pastor can get that his people are excited. Not, man, that worship was great. Not, oh, the preaching was magnificent. No. It's that your people were so pumped up. That, man, they were excited. Because you can tell when people are excited because they get to do kingdom work. They get to be a part of the kingdom. Like, I, I can't stand going somewhere, like, to go order a coffee and get served by someone who hates their job. It drives me crazy, and I've become, like, audibly sarcastic with them and it's, it's really bad. Like if I go into Starbucks and someone behind the counter goes, 
Can I take your order? Like, oh, no, no, I am so sorry to be a customer today. I did not mean to come in here and ask you to do anything whatsoever. I, I don't know what, go in, go, what got into me. You better go sit down. Just take it easy. I didn't mean to inconvenience you. Woo, it's just, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. I'm really sorry about this. Right? Like, no, like, get excited about your job. Or when someone has a job where you assume they should like people. <laughs> right? Like, a pediatrician should at least kind of like kids. But I've been to some. Like, a teacher should, I think a teacher should like their job. And if you're lamenting going back to school more loudly than the kids... I'm not saying you have to have a party every day of your life, but I, I loved, I asked a teacher last week, so you're ready for school? Thinking like, no, and they were like, yeah, no, I'm ready, let's do it. I was like, yes, that's awesome. That's who I want my kids to be with, right? We like it when people like their jobs. We like it when people like to do their work. And I know that not every job is super fun, but listen, even if you hate your job, if you're a follower of Christ, your biblical mandate is to work as if you're working for the Lord anyway. So you can go work at McDonald's and love the Lord and work hard. It's your spiritual act of worship. You should love what you do and you should work it well and you should honor God. In fact, all work becomes kingdom work when you're working for the Lord. So even in the job that you hate, that's kingdom work. You can make it kingdom work. But that same principle applies in church. When you go to a church that's excited and people are enthusiastic and everyone's like, where can I plug in and what can I do? That's awesome. No one goes to a, a, a dead church where everyone's bored stiff and nothing's going on and thinks, I cannot wait to bring my friends here. Woo! Like, no one does that. You want to go to a church that's enthusiastic about what they get to do. They're excited about the kingdom. We get to do this, so we should work hard. We should act a little crazy, and it should be out of love. Now, final thought, because some of you are here, maybe you don't follow Jesus. Maybe you have thought about it or considering it, but you're not right now, and you've been thinking this whole time, you just wasted 30 minutes of my life talking about something that doesn't apply. And I would say this to you and to all of us, really, is that you are working for something. You are building something with your work. It's getting you somewhere. And what I would ask you today is, what is the lasting legacy of your work? What are you building that's going to last? What's the end game of your work? Uh, we just had the Olympics in Rio. Any Olympic fans in withdrawal right now? I don't even like, like, who likes watching swimming and track? But every four years, it's the best thing. I'm like, no, I got to stay up till midnight and watch swimmers. Like, what life is that? Now it's the Olympics. I love it. One of the most criticized part of the Olympics, though, is the fact that some city somewhere has to spend multiple billions of dollars building all these huge buildings and building, uh, like, the, this whole village of places that shortly afterwards no longer get used. And every city says they've got a plan for them. No, it's going to be all good. It's going to be great. It's going to be an investment. And just a few years later, all of those buildings are in a complete state of disrepair. Um, the Athens Games, remember them? That was only 2004. That's not that long ago. Uh, this is what their diving and swimming areas look like right now. <laughs> Billions of dollars, and that's what they're left with. That's just 12 years later. People were winning gold medals in that pool. 
just a little over a decade ago. The Beijing games, they were just in 2008. That was even sooner. Remember they made this huge bird's nest thing? That was the greatest. It looked so cool and crazy. This is what it looks like now. And it sits empty in Beijing and costs the city $11 million a year just to keep up and running. Uh, they also built that crazy water cube. They built some of the craziest stuff. Um, now it looks like this, empty. It looks li like that is a future horror movie set, is what that looks like. Uh, and if, even if you go all the way back to the 80s, like all the way, uh, Sarajevo hosted the games in 1984. These places look like something archaeologists unearthed. Like that's, that's what they've got now. That's what it looks like. Right, all that work, all the millions and all the billions that got poured into those games, into those structures, into that stuff that seemed so good and so important and so magnificent, all that work, for what? All that money, for what? All that time, for a legacy that's overgrown and literally fading away. Listen, I want to challenge all of us today, whether you follow Christ or whether you don't, to question what it is you're building with your time and with your work and with your money? What are you giving yourself to that is going to last 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now? Are you building something worthwhile? Are you putting yourself to something that has eternal significance? What are you doing today that'll impact someone years down the road, long after you're gone? See, this is important work. Our work in the kingdom is bigger than a paycheck. It's bigger than retirement. Bible even says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. And I, you could paraphrase that, that the bank account withers and the vehicles fade, but your work done for the Lord will last forever. So how are you choosing to live your life? What are you choosing to do with it? What are you working on? I want to do work that's not going to fade away, work that's not going to be wasted, work that's going to have significance long after I'm gone. And again, I'm not talking about occupation. I'm talking about your life's work. I'm talking about what you're doing with your time. This is the kingdom work that drove Paul to work hard and to live crazy and to love people. And that's the kind of work I want to do. Work that won't leave me drained and discouraged at the end of my life, but work that I can look back on and say, I am gloriously spent having given my all to this. That's what I want to do with my time. I want to work hard, I want to probably look a little bit crazy, and I want to make sure that I loved well. Isn't that what you want to be able to say at the end of your life? So let's work hard. Let's plug in. Let's find a way to serve. Use your gifts. Utilize what you've been given. I challenge you coming into this fall season to re-look at your calendar. Look at your priorities. Look at where your money's going. Look at you know, maybe even just at the church as we launch campuses and services. We're three weeks away from Saturday nights again and thinking, well, maybe I can do something here. So stay tuned. A couple weeks from now, we're going to have some really practical ways that you can get plugged in here at the church and find out where you might be able to serve. But kingdom work is even bigger than just work done at Crosspoint, you understand, right? And so let's give ourselves to that, and let's build something that lasts forever. Let me pray for us. Father, you're good, and we're grateful for your presence today. And uh, I just pray that you'd be with us as we go, that, that you would encourage us to make sure that the way we're living is a way that is pleasing to you 
that's exciting for the kingdom. I pray that, that maybe you'd need to encourage people to step out and to get plugged in. Maybe it's fear holding them back, and I just pray against that fear right now in your name, Jesus, that someone would be able to step up and say, no, I can play a part. I, I can do this. God, I pray for people who are maybe stuck in, in a job that they don't love, but they don't see a way out of it. God, I pray that you would give them hope and grace and peace today, that you would see them to, to find a way to make their work kingdom work. I pray we'd all be able to see that our work is kingdom work. That when we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice and we tell you, you just do whatever you want to do with us, God, that is the greatest act of worship that we can offer you. I pray that we would do that. Paul finishes his passage by saying that it's because we've learned that life is no longer about ourselves. I pray that you'd remind us of that today. That ultimately life isn't even about me. It's about the kingdom and it's about you. It's about giving myself to something way bigger than me. So challenge us, equip us, encourage us, and help us. We ask for a blessing on this upcoming season of ministry. Pray that we'd be overflowing with people who want to plug in and participate and do work. May our kingdom work be done in such a fresh way that, that we're overrun with people who want to know more about you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. You're good and we love you. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And this church said, amen. Awesome. Well, good to see you today. God bless, and uh, have a great week. See you in September. I'm sorry, that was an awful way to end. See you. Enjoy <laughs> August tomorrow.